0: Boundaries, we know how to explain boundaries. Even this stage, you can kind of see a boundary between the floor, uh, between where the stage ends and where uh, the general congregation stands. We can see boundaries of walls. We can see boundaries of hedges. We know boundaries are set there so that I can know where I end and someone else starts. If you remember, boundaries are not to be walls. They've got to have gates. They've got to be able to let the bad out and allow the good in. Uh, The core scripture for this message, I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. We learned last week uh, about love and how love has got to be able to, we've got to be able to receive love and we've got to be able to give love. If you think of the physical heart, if one of those parts of the heart doesn't work, the ability for that heart to pump out blood or the ability for that part to bring in blood, you will die. Same thing in the church, same thing in relationship. We've got to be able to receive love as well as give love. And then last week, we also started looking at boundary problems. We looked at two different types of boundary problems. Those that are compliance People that are compliance, saying yes to the bad, and then those that are avoidance, those that say no to the good. People are wanting to help, but we say no. We wall ourselves off to where we don't allow people to help us. If you're lost, go back and listen to the uh, podcast, go back and listen to the uh, download. Um, it's free um, because these two things, compliance and avoidance, are huge. I really felt last week that we were starting to make a connection uh, that I think that sometimes we can see, I, I know that I can see myself, I can see both parts kind of in operation in my life at times in my life. Being avoidant, separating myself and not being able to let people help me when I need help or being compliant, not being able to say no. You know, especially in ministry, when somebody in ministry asks you to do something, it's hard to say no. Because, I mean, it's like, I don't want to say it's God asking you, but sometimes we have a hard time confusing that. That the pastor asks you to show up and go do something with him, and it, it's, sometimes you can confuse that as God's trying to say it. No, not always. Sometimes you need to say no to the pastor. Not me, but some other pastor. <laughs> It's healthy to say no to the bad, but it's not healthy to say no to the good. Sometimes the Lord has directly spoken to someone and says, I believe you would be good at this. Would you consider trying it? And sometimes in your flesh you're thinking, no, I don't need another thing to do. The problem is you've said yes to too many things. How many of you know that a yes to one thing means it has to be a no to something else? And you got to get good at that, so that you can say yes to the good and no to the bad. So sometimes people are both their compliance and avoidance. This person, um, this person's dilemma is shared by so many adults. This person says yes to the bad and no to the good. And people that battle both of these, that struggle with both of these, can't refuse evil, can't refuse evil, and can't receive the support they need to get back free of it. Do you hear me? If you've got both walls blocked, you're in trouble. Stuck in a cycle of feeling drained, but with nothing to replace that lost energy. Compliant avoidance suffer from what's called reversed boundaries. They have no boundaries where they need them, and they have boundaries where they shouldn't have them. Now, is anybody able to relate a little bit to what we're talking about in your personal life? I don't want to be beating myself up against a wall if we're not getting anywhere, but I'm telling you, I have had boundary issues. We're going to get, we're going to, I'm going to really step on some toes now because we're going to talk about controllers, controllers. Let's go back. I went too far. Controllers. Not respecting other, others' boundaries. Here's what a controller would say. What do you mean you're quitting? You can't leave now. <laughs> People say it to you or you say it. Don't, don't, don't repeat it. No, <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> you can't quit now. I mean, it's a perfect uh, expression for people in children's ministry. You can't quit. Have you prayed about that? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's something you got to watch right there is someone playing the God card on you. It happens in the church. So, here's a dude named Steve, looks across at his, de- at his desk at his administrative assistant. I'm going to give you an example. This guy's name's Frank. He'd been working for Steve for several years, and he was finally just fed up. He had given all his heart, all his time to this position, but Steve didn't know when to back off. Time after time, Steve would would insist on Frank spending unpaid time at the office on important projects. Frank had even switched his vacation schedule twice at Steve's insistence. But the final straw is when Steve started calling Frank at home regular, regularly. The family knew every time they sat down for dinner that Steve would be calling to interrupt their dinner. And it, it was the final straw. Several times, Frank tried to talk with Steve about these time violations, but Steve never understood how burned out Frank was. After all, Steve needed Frank. Frank made him look successful, and it was so easy to get him to work harder. Steve had a problem hearing and accepting other boundaries. To Steve, listen to me now, no is simply a challenge to change someone's mind. To the controller, they don't even hear no. They hear a challenge. (laughs) You're going to get free is what you're going to get. I can feel it, because sister, I am with you. This boundary problem is called control. Now, I will tell you right away: Satan will try to get you to grab hold of that and reject it, because control is a very strong word. People have used it in wrong ways, and I'm here to just—I'm here to bring love to you, not condemnation or guilt, not that, but control. It's a spirit. Controllers can't respect other limits. They resist taking responsibility for their own lives, so they need to control others. They resist taking responsibility for their own lives, so they need to control others. Controllers believe the old joke for salespeople, no means maybe, and maybe means yes. While this may be productive to salespeople, it will wreak havoc on relationships. Controllers are perceived as bullies, manipulative, and aggressive. The primary problem of an individual who can't hear no, which is different than being able to say no, is they tend to project responsibility for their lives onto others. Did you catch that? They tend to project responsibility on the, from their lives onto others, their own responsibility. And they use various means of control to motivate others to carry the load intended by God to be theirs alone. Now, if you go back to the very first week, we talked about um, boundaries. I don't know if you can remember this, about the big boulders, the big huge crisis situations that you have in your life. And also, the little things that you have to deal with. And we talked about a knapsack or a backpack and boulders. Scripture was very clear that there are certain things that we are supposed to take responsibility for and no one else is responsible for them. And then there are these huge crises that happen in our life that we were never called to handle all on our own, that the body of Christ is here to help. The problem is we get mixed up and we try to get people to carry our knapsack, our daily responsibilities, as well as our huge things. Are you with me? I have daily responsibilities that are not my wife's responsibilities, that are not my co-workers' responsibilities. However, there are big things that I am never called to completely manhandle myself. But controllers try to project those that, that, that responsibilities onto others as well as throwing the big crisis onto others. And had, this, had Steve, the boss, shouldered the weight of his own job, Frank would have been happy to pitch in extra hours from time to time. But the pressure of covering for Steve's irresponsibility made this talented professional look for work elsewhere. So let's look at controllers a little bit more deeply. First off, first off is aggressive controllers. These do not listen to other people's boundaries at all. They run over other people like a tank. They're sometimes verbally abusive, can even be physically abusive. But the problem is, the biggest problem is, they're not even aware of another person's boundaries at all. Don't even know that they're there. Don't even know that they have boundaries. It's as if they live in a world of yes, and there's no place for a no. And they attempt to get others to change to make the world fit their idea of what the way of life, of of the way life should be. And they neglect their responsibility to accept others as they are. I can tell you that I I I have had this problem of not accepting no's. But I don't believe that I ever realized that I was not taking care of my it was out of me not taking care of my own responsibility. If I, could get the, if I can get the flashlight, the, the spotlight pointing back at me, I can get healed. So many times, though, we, we think the problem is the other person, especially a controller. It's always someone else's fault. We just messed up because of that person. Instead of getting the light back on me. An example of, a, of an aggressive controller is Peter. Peter in the Bible. Jesus was telling, can you imagine? Jesus is telling the disciples about what's about to happen. He's about to um, be crucified. He's about to die. Um, It's it's about to be bad. And Peter goes and gets him on the side and rebukes him. No, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And I want you to catch what Jesus says back to him. It is very strong words. Get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of of men. Jesus had healthy boundaries, and he was able to speak into Peter's life right then and there and put a stop to it right there in his face. Prior to this scripture, he had asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the son of the living God. Jesus commends him. You couldn't have known this, this if my father hadn't shown you. Then out of Peter's mouth comes this next phrase. How many of you say one good thing at, a, at one moment and say another, another th- negative thing the next moment? It's me. I can do that. Boy, if Jesus tells, calls me Satan, mm, I'm going to listen. I hope. But Peter didn't want to accept the Lord's boundaries, but Jesus immediately confronted Peter's violation of his boundaries. We learned last week how important it is that you can teach your children to say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. This makes me uncomfortable. It's so important that when when we are confronted with a boundary issue, that we establish our boundary. We say, hey, that's beyond where I'm comfortable with. So let's look at the next type of controller. And it's a manipulative controller. I'll tell you, controllers, it's just not, it's just not going well for them, by the way. <laughs> now we've put two words together that don't go well. They don't go well singular, sing, singly. Is that a word? <laughs> singular, whatever, by themselves. And they don't go well together either. The manipulative controller is less honest than the aggressive controller. But they try to persuade people out of their boundaries. They talk others into a yes. They indirectly manipulate circumstances to get their way. They seduce others into carrying their burdens, and they use guilt messages. Now, if you'll think to Scripture, I think you can think of this one, but Jacob from the Old Testament was a manipulative controller. He finagled his twin brother, to sell him his birthright for a bowl of soup. As dumb as that sounds, that's what happened. Then he goes and ropes in his mom to fake out his dad to get the blessing. I mean, these are, this is some pair, mom and, mom and son. And if you remember, Jacob's name means deceiver. This man who became a scriptural forefather had kind of the card stacked against him. How many of you feel like you got the card stacked against you? I do. I do sometimes. I know myself. But these are the people that the Lord uses. Peter's. And Jacob's, how did God reach Jacob? He fought him. Physically fought him. Knocked his hip out. Finally got Jacob to wake up. Changed his name to Israel. Israel means he who fights with God. God likes to be fought with. Because he'll get get down to the core of you. And Jacob turned. Jacob changed. God did not change his personality. God changed his heart. He took that strength that Jacob had and turned it into the way that God wanted to use it. That is what we're after, church, is God taking who he created and where you've spent 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years messing it up Saying, let me wrestle with you for a night and I'll turn you around. You may limp, but at least you'll be God limping. That's what we're after. Is to not go to church and punch your card. That's what Sunday's going to be about. We're going to see from John chapter 6. If you want to read ahead, go read John chapter 6. Because God's not putting up with us messing around in church. It's going to be a hard word Sunday. It's going to be great. But it's going to be tough. God wants to knock your hip out. <laughs> not really. N- not really. But he does want to have an encounter with you and say, "I'm your way. And if you'll walk with me, it's going to be a blessed way." Jacob was blessed. Can anybody grab that? Can anybody see how he, he was manipulative and conniving? And I mean, uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but was it Jacob and Esau? Was it Jacob that grabbed the, had, had a hold of his foot? He was trying to even keep Esau from coming out first. Esau was the firstborn, Jacob was the second. And Jacob had a hold of his foot as a newborn. Can you not see it at work? You are like you are on purpose. You are like you are on God's purpose. God did you on purpose. You're not a mess up. You're not a messed up science experiment that went bad. Have you ever seen the movie Twins? It's so funny, Danny DeVito, two foot, Arnold Schwarzenegger, eight feet, muscle, not muscle. God did not take all the good and give it to someone else and take all the bad and put it into you. That's a lie. God made you just like you are on purpose, for his purpose, to do amazing things, to change our city, to change our nation, you. You. You, individual, you, on purpose, if he can wrestle with you just for a night and you take what he's got to give you? This event shook Jacob's world, changed his life, and he changed. Only when the manipulative controller is confronted with his dishonesty can he take responsibility for it, repent of it, and accept his other limits. I want you to know I am made in a driving, forceful way on purpose not to run people over, but to get stuff done. You are called to get stuff done. (sighs) I'm almost yelling. What's wrong with me? Manipulators deny their desire to control others. Deny their desire to control others. They brush aside their self centeredness and they're like the adulterous woman in Proverbs chapter 30. This is a real encouraging scripture. She eats and wipes her mouth and she says, I've done nothing wrong. Believe it or not, compliance and avoidance can also be controllers. However, they tend to be more manipulative than aggressive. It's passive aggressive. When compliant and avoidance need emotional support, so many times they'll do someone a favor for a friend, hoping they'll return the favor to them. Do you catch that? And then they wind up being offended when they don't get the return favor maybe even for years, waiting for the return favor. Anticipating. What's wrong with this picture? It is not a picture of love. The love that God talks about doesn't seek a return on its investment. Love, godly love, is not self-seeking. We give it. We give it out of being filled up, out of having that moment with the Lord wrestling with him and him pouring his love into us, changing our heart, and we give that love. Really not looking for anything in return, not expecting anything in return. Quit expecting it. It, 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 I I love to not expect things because then my hopes aren't shot. And especially if I don't come in with that kind of expectation, when God moves, I'm blown away. Now, I do come in with God expectations, huge. I'm told to dream big, try to dream as big as I can because God's going to do bigger than I can dream. But when it comes to me doing for the body, doing for each other, trying to control, quit Quit looking for a response. Do out of a godly heart. The Word of God told us we learned from Sunday. If we will walk godly, He will order our steps. I don't have to worry about you returning me the favor. God will. God's the God of favor. God will give me favor. If it doesn't come back through you, it'll come back through them. I don't have to worry about it. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says if I will just do his word and follow his word and stick with it his blessings will come and find me and they'll overtake me. I don't have to go searching for that. It comes searching for me. And I can't outrun it. How many of you think I keep I keep just somehow dodging every blessing God has for me? You can't. Something's off. Because when the, God's blessing is coming for you, you can't dodge it. It will overtake you. Caring for someone so they'll care back for us is an indirect means of controlling someone else. If you've ever been on the receiving end of that kind of maneuver, you'll understand. I can't stand it when someone does something for me, looking for me to return it. That makes me want to run the other direction. One thing I really don't like is when someone compliments me trying to get me to compliment them. Now you're seeing my heart, I don't like that. I, I also hate false encouragement. You can smell it a mile away I will tell you, when you've got the Spirit of God, you're going to pick up on this stuff. And Jesus, Jesus picked up on Peter and where his heart was. And he said, whoa, 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 you're off, Peter. No longer are you clued into the things of God. Now you're clued into the things of man. And I'm just going to call you out right here. Oh, let me rethink. Yeah, Peter, why don't you? Let's rethink that thought. And after I've died on the cross and you've seen this, you're going to realize what a doofus statement you just made. You're going to remember it. You like that word, doofus, that's that's, that's, that's me. I can be doofus-y. Okay, that's it, that's all I got. So, avoidance, those that say no to the good. Compliance, those that say yes to the bad. Controllers. Those that have no care for other, other people's boundaries. Not only are we trying to establish our boundaries, but we're trying to get to where we can see others' boundaries. It's going to be revelation to the one that never even knew someone else had a boundary. I will tell you, your relationships are about to improve tremendously because you're going to stop thinking so much about yourself and thinking about someone else. And all of a sudden, the light's going to go on in your mind and say, oh, my goodness, I have been hurting this, people, these, this person for years. And I didn't even know it. And for some reason, they're putting up with me. One of the best aha moments for me was not a boundary issue. I guess it kind of is a boundary issue. But it came out of the five love languages. And I think the five love languages is also kind of boundary-ish but I had spent 40 years, in, not 40 years in marriage, 40 years of my life. How many years? 24, 23 years in marriage trying to love my wife the way I, my love language was. And hers is not the same as mine. In fact, we're on the spectrum, we're, we're on far ends. And when I could realize I'm trying to love her like this, but she needs to be loved like this, all of a sudden... I kind of let a boundary down and thought, I'm not going this direction anymore. I'm going this way. And when she could see mine, oh, my goodness, it's like the veil. Literal in marriage, the veil being taken off and our ability to see each other more clearly. That's what's going to happen. When you start to get the right boundaries up and the wrong boundaries down, you're going to start to see truth and power and love and joy and peace. It's so good. It's so good. Hang in there with me. I've probably got one or two more weeks left uh, of this message. But I just want to encourage you. Quit looking at whatever everybody else's boundary problems are and look at yours.